0: quality of each man's work if any man's work which he has built upon it remains he shall receive a reward if any man's work is burned up he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved yet so as through fire and then it goes on speaking about the language of the temple that we are the temple Let's understand this idea of Christ the foundation. Any man's work will be burned up. There is a judgment of the saints and a judgment of the wicked. There's two judgments. Unsaved people will be judged unto condemnation. They are judged already. The Son came not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Unsaved people have been judged already. They only appear for sentencing. That's all. Okay? They're condemned already. Anyone who believes has passed from death to life, Turn with me very briefly, please, to the first psalm. I've pointed this out before, but let's look at it quickly. Psalm 1. Verse 5. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Why will the sinners, why will wicked people not stand in judgment? They have been judged already. They've been judged already. They're just going to appear for sentencing. How far are they going to go into the depths of hell? That's about it. Because there's different levels of condemnation in hell. There is a judgment of the saints. This is typified or prefigured by the tribes of Israel passing under the rod of Joshua when they crossed the Jordan, when they were given their apportionment in the Promised Land. Well, our inheritance in heaven is the same. We pass under the rod of judgment. What we did with our talents, what we did there is people who are saved because our sin was judged at the cross will be saved but our works if we're not careful will be burned up there's people who will be saved because their sin was judged at the cross but the things they did in this life isn't going to count for anything in terms of their eternal reward they will not get a very big inheritance in the promised land there are two words for judgment seat i've explained this before Unsaved people appear before the thronos. Unsaved people appear before the thronos, throne. Christians appear before the bima, which is like the platform where the kings of the Polises of the Greek city states gave out the rewards to the people who competed successfully in the Olympics. Christians are judged on the basis of their reward. Okay, we don't appear before the thronos, we appear before the bima. And our works will be judged, what we did. Now, there's two aspects of this. It begins with temple typology, of course, what we build with, and it talks about materials. Wood, hay, straw, those things burn up quickly. They burn up quickly. People can build with the wrong materials. In the temple, the outer court was mostly what we call in Hebrew, charoset, bronze. Like the brazen altar and the laver. That speaks of judgment. As you went in, went from bronze to the holy place with silver. Silver in the Bible speaks of redemption. The half shekel of silver for the firstborn, the pideon haben. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Silver is a corrosive metal. It's a precious metal, but it is of temporary, temporal value. When you went to the Holy of Holies, the metal becomes gold. Everything was gold. Gold is a non-corrosive metal. It doesn't oxidize. It reflects things eternal. But then gold would be decorated with precious stones. These precious stones were formed by heat and by fire. And so Peter says, the perfecting of our faith. We crown him with many crowns. You've got the crown, which is gold, but it's decorated with these precious stones. Remember, like precious stones in a a setting of gold. We crown him with many crowns. It says in Proverbs that the bride is the crown of her husband's head, so the church is the crown of Jesus in heaven. This is gold and the precious stones formed by fire. The further you went in, the more precious the things began. And, of course, the, the high priest had the precious stones on his breastplate and on his shoulders for the tribes of Israel. That's the way would it be, precious stones. The people of God would be precious stones, but they're formed by heat and by fire, by pressure. You know, the trialing of our faith. Not, not that the trials are any good, but persevering in the trials are good. Amen. They form the precious stones that decorates the gold. But that has to do with the second aspect, the materials we build with. The first aspect is what I want to look at tonight, the foundation we built on. As you can tell by my Bugs Bunny, Barbara Streisand, Robert De Niro accent, I'm from New York. I was born three miles from the Statue of Liberty as a crow would fly. And in New York... We have over 1,100 skyscrapers, more than Chicago and Hong Kong put together, which are the next two cities that have the most skyscrapers after New York. 100 stories, 80 stories, 100 stories, that would not be that unique. In England, where I live now, London, there's only a few skyscrapers, and while they're a big deal in London, in New York, they wouldn't, they'd just be ordinary buildings. There wouldn't be anything unique about them too much in terms of their height. And when I was a little kid, I used to go by when they were building skyscrapers. And they had wooden panels all around the construction site. And then they cut holes in it so you could look in there and see what was going on. And they had little holes down there so little kids could look through there and see what was going on. New York is, Manhattan is is bedrock. It's it's rock. That's why it can sustain so many skyscrapers. It's It's rock. (coughs) And there's a process where you have the architect's drawing and then they would photograph it and now of course they would enhance it with the computer and they'd put it up on a billboard with a background photograph of all the other buildings around it and it would show you what it's going to look like when it's done. So you look up there at the billboard with what's going to be done and then you look through there through the holes in the panels and see what they're doing. And I guess as a the kid, I would look at it and everything. But they would spend months and months and months going down, <laughs> getting the foundation right. They'd spend ages going down. And you'd be looking at that poster, that, that billboard, it's not going to look like that, for, they're going the wrong way. <laughs> <That's important. laughs> You've got to get the foundation right. God will spend a long time getting the foundation right in somebody's life before he can really use them. God spent 2,000 years working with Israel before the church was born. Remember, the root supports you. You don't support the root. When you see a skyscraper, all you do is look up. But an architect or an engineer realizes there's something under it supporting it. If you have the foundation right, you can go as high as you want. But they would bore down into that bedrock, and they would bore down and bore down, and steel-reinforced concrete, and they keep pouring it in, and pour down, down. They go way down before they go up, and this thing is never going to be built. But then, practically overnight, these girders and panels would go up. <laughs> Once the foundation was in place, that thing would go up so quick. <laughs> Practically overnight, the skyscraper was up there. The big thing, the main thing, was going down, not going up. The main thing was getting the foundation right. If the foundation was right, do anything. Skyscrapers are built in Chicago on Lake Long Lake Michigan, and in Manhattan, they actually sway. They can sway. The ones in San Francisco and in Tokyo, they actually are earthquake proof. They will give, because of the way the foundation is built. In fact, they even use the steel, the, the steel on, on bridges, the on, steel suspension bridges like the Golden Gate Bridge or the Verrazano Bridge. It actually breathes, you know, as it were. It expands like a quarter of an inch a year and contracts with the summer and goes back in the winter. They figure this stuff out with the micrometer right down to a fraction of an inch or less, even centimeters. Well, these buildings are made like that, that they can actually give with the wind. When you, cause when you go that high, you get strong, strong breeze, wind up that, that, that high. Everything depended on the getting the foundation right. If you're going to have something a hundred stories high or more that can go like that and still stay upright and erect like that, you've got to have a pretty good foundation. If the foundation is wrong, you wind up with the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, I never saw it. My wife has seen it. I've been to Italy, but I've never been to Pisa. Well, it's okay to have one like that just because of the curiosity. But the fact is, it wasn't supposed to turn out like that. (laughs) And they tell me that the traffic is banned all around it and stuff like that because the thing can tip over. You got to get the foundation right. If the foundation is right, you can go as high as you want. There is one foundation. Now, the Roman Church says, of course, the foundation is the Pope. Upon this rock, they make him the, the foundation. Antichrist does not only mean against Christ, it means in place of Christ. So they have another rock upon which they build. You understand, why the papacy is Antichrist, why the Roman Catholic Church is Antichrist. But... The foundation that's important is this. Christ, Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ is Him on earth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There are many truths in the Bible. But all other truth must be predicated on the truth of Christ. Christ crucified... Christ risen, Christ coming again. There are many other truths in the Bible. But every other truth must be based, built upon, predicated upon the truth of Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ coming again. What happens when somebody... Or when some church or some ministry or some organization or some denomination takes another truth, even though it is a truth, and makes it the foundation upon which they build. What happens if you try to build a church, a ministry, a denomination, a movement, and anything on some other truth other than the truth of Christ crucified Christ risen, Christ coming again. They take some other truth and make that their raison d'etre, their focus, their purpose. What happens is something tragic. It is a truth that becomes a lie. A truth becomes a lie. The truth is Christ. All other truth has to be predicated upon the truth of Christ. Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ coming again. That's the only foundation you can build on. What happens if they take some other truth, a truth from Scripture, and make that the purpose? This has much to do with with what has gone wrong in the church throughout the centuries and what has gone wrong in the church today. Let us understand this. Holiness is a truth. There is no question holiness is a truth. Without holiness no man, no woman, no man will see God. It is a truth. What happens when a church or a movement or a denomination makes holiness their focus instead of Christ? You will not have holiness. You will have a counterfeit. Holiness can only come from a walk with Jesus. Walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The only way to overcome sin is to walk with Jesus. Walk in the Spirit. Once you begin walking in the flesh, it's easy for the devil to get your sin. It's going to be almost an automatic process. When the devil tempts us, all he's got to do is get us in the flesh. Sin will follow almost automatically. Then it's easy to tempt us. His his key is to get us into the flesh. Holiness, real holiness, will come from being set apart to Christ. What happens when a church, and there are churches that do it, there are denominations that build themselves on it, will try to make holiness their focus. There are people in Pennsylvania, and you even have some here in Iowa, who are a sect of Mennonites. Pennsylvania Dutch people known as Amish and a similar group called Hooterites. Their forefathers, going back to the time of the Anabaptists in the 17th century, were genuinely saved Christians. But these people broke away from the Mennonites, and everything to them became holiness. They will not have electricity, they will not have an automobile, they will not have a telephone. They will not even have buttons on their clothes, just these little ribbons, so as not to be too flashy. They call this holiness. They read the Bible in High German, and they read the Martyr's Mirror, and they think everybody hates them because they are the same as the people in the Martyr's Mirror. Except when you talk to a Pennsylvania Dutch person, you'll find that most of them are not saved. They're virtually a cult. They've got a lot of religion, but they don't have authentic holiness. They're not even saved. They have hexagrams on their barns to ward off evil spirits. They're into fetishism and superstition. It's not holiness. They have a counterfeit of holiness. Legalism. There's two kinds of legalism. Soft legalism is called gnomianism. We're saved by the blood of Jesus and by some works. But a hard legalism is we're saved by works. They think that by living the way that they live without the electricity and everything, is a means to the salvation. There's a denomination called the Church of the Nazarene. they are a sect of Methodists who broke away from the mainstream Methodists over liberal theology. Their founder was Phineas Brzee, not a bad man. And I wanted to go back to the original beliefs of John Wesley, except in his book, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodists, never equated baptism of the Holy Spirit with sinless perfection. He never did that, but the Nazarenes did. And I knew one of the two of them. Oh, I knew a lot of them. But I knew one of them, and they would pray, I thank you, Lord, I haven't sinned in over 30 years. Their Kansas City is their Vatican, their Mecca. And I really wanted to understand them, so I talked to them. They had two books. They had a Bible, which is this size, and they had a denominational rule book the size of the Chicago Yellow Pages. And in there, it was stuff like, don't take your children to the circus. Because the girls who ride the elephants wear skimpy costumes, and it might encourage lust. (laughs) All this kind of stuff. Don't go to the movies and all that stuff. There are holiness Pentecostals. I know ones that have the men sitting on one side and the women sitting on the other, which runs directly contrary to what the Bible says, because that goes back to the Jewish temple, the court of the women, the court of the men, And the wall of petition is broken down in Christ. But you see, they become blind to Scripture because of their tradition. And what they call the pursuit of holiness. More recently, at their Bible college in England, they had a lecture series by somebody called Clark Pinnock, a man, a heretic, who says God doesn't know the future. They're getting more and more liberal theology in their belief system. Yet... They think somehow they're pursuing holiness. So I asked this guy who was a friend of mine, how can you say you haven't sinned in over 30 years, and thank God you haven't sinned. This is an open vocal prayer at a meeting. They had to redefine sin. Instead of thought, word, and deed, it was only word and deed, not thought. As long as you kept everything in this rule book, you didn't have any sin. <laughs> Now they're going liberal. They don't have holiness. They have a counterfeit of holiness. Legalism that leads people into spiritual pride, just like the Mennonites. Now they began, right? In order to pursue holiness, you pursue Christ. Holiness is a ramification of a relationship with him. But when you make the pursuit of holiness the foundation upon which you build, the devil's got you. Now you don't have holiness. You have a counterfeit. He does not want people to be holy. What a better way to trick people into not being holy than getting them to be legalistic. They're not even saved. They're not even sanctified, these Amish people. And they're only one example. There are others. And when somebody does get saved, they get shunned by the community. Crazy. You become like the world because you have electricity. <laughs> Serious business with them. I went to that festival once when I was a kid in, in Pennsylvania, and it's these people literally tried to live in the 17th century, much like the Hasidic Jews. They tried to live in a Jewish ghetto in Eastern Europe in the 17th century. Or the way the Muslims. The Koran cannot be applied to the modern world. They're trying to hold on to things that were there from the 7th, 7th century. Charismata, the gifts of the Spirit, are a truth. However, the gifts of the Spirit are given to equip the church to replay the ministry of Jesus what happens when the truth of charismatic gifts becomes the foundation upon which somebody builds a church or a denomination or a ministry what happens when they seek the gift above the giver They chase a manifestation of the Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit himself. More than that, it's not even the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. Their faith is pneumocentric. But ultimately, it becomes experiential. They don't have charismatra. They have built on a wrong foundation. They have... Charismania. They have Toronto or Pensacola or something like this. They don't have real charismata. People rolling on the floor imitating animals, that's not charismata. That's just sick. Rodney Howard Brown and Kenneth Copeland clowning in tongues, that's not gracilalia. It's perverse. Some of what they do is blasphemous. At best, Carnal. And in some cases, I'm convinced, demonic. They built on a wrong foundation. This is not to say there's not charismata. But they don't have charismata. They have a counterfeit. Charismania. The truth has become a lie. Wow. We are called to be salt and light. It is a fact we are called to be salt and light. To morally preserve a fallen world to the extent possible in order to enlighten others about the gospel and the way of Jesus. We are called to be the salt of the earth to morally preserve this fallen world to the extent it can be preserved as a testimony to the others. We should shine the light of Jesus. The world should see, look, Christians don't get divorced. Look, our children are not juvenile delinquents. Our children don't drop out of high school. You know, we don't, we don't smoke cigarettes. We don't, we don't go gambling in Las Vegas. We don't, we don't, we don't get drunk. We don't, just, we don't do this stuff. And we certainly don't abort our own children. This is a truth. But what happens when that truth is made the truth? Holiness, charismatic, being salt and light, each one of those things is a truth. But Jesus is. The truth. All other truth derives from him. Every other truth must be predicated on the truth of Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ coming again. If it is not, the truth will become a lie. And so I have seen this happening and you've seen this happening. I've warned about this before here in this church. Something has happened in the last 15 to 20 years where morality has been redefined, not in biblical terms, but in terms of one's political opinions. And so you can have a president in a White House doing something perverse and immoral and lying about it. But because his political views are of a certain orientation, you will have preachers defending him. Some role model for kids. This happens on the right and on the left. Let's begin with the political right. The Bible warns there will be many false prophets in the last days and false Christ. One of them is Reverend Moon, the Korean cult leader from the Mind Control cult Unification Church. Yes. <coughs> but he bankrolls the Republican Party. He owns a right-wing newspaper in Washington. And so you get a fundamentalist Baptist preacher named Jerry Falwell taking nearly $4 million for his financially struggling Bible college, Liberty Bible College in Lynchburg, Virginia, calling Reverend Moon an unsung hero. But Sun Young Moon says he is the Lord of the Second Advent. In his book, The Divine Principle, he says he's the return of Jesus Christ. And his wife is the Holy Spirit. Jerry Falwell says he's a hero. God says he's an antichrist. But his political views are right. He's helping to morally preserve American values. He's a Republican. That's it. Forget about the fact he's an antichrist. He's a hero. Ask Jerry Falwell. That's being preached from an evangelical Baptist pulpit. True story. There are over 300 verses in the Bible dealing with the sin of social injustice. Over 300, in both testaments. To God, sin is sin. In America, two out of three black children are born out of wedlock. Two out of three are born out of holy wedlock. Now you go back to the founders of civil rights in this country, people like George Washington Carver, the scientist, and people like Booker T. Washington, the first black academic, these people were Bible-believing Christians. They believed in biblical Christian values. They believed that the Bible was the way of upward mobility for the black man and other minorities. They established the cause of black advancement based on biblical principles. But now you can have the Rainbow Coalition push... And a Baptist minister named Jesse Jackson can father a child out of wedlock, take money donated by corporations and foundations to help urban blacks, and pay an extravagant salary to the mother of this father he, he, he fathered, the mother of this child he fathered out of wedlock to keep her quiet. And when he gets caught, that's okay because his political views are right. In the opinion of some people, he's a good brother. He can stay a Baptist preacher. Farwell, on the right, can endorse an Antichrist. He can call an Antichrist a hero, but his political views are right, so that's okay. Two out of three Black kids in this country born out of wedlock, and a minister of the gospel, a Baptist minister, their leader, their role model, takes money given to help urban blacks. Pays in a lucrative salary to keep the whole thing hushed up. And when he found out this is their role model, what does a black kid think? Well, Jesse Jackson can do it. I can do it. Well, Clinton can do it. I can... We redefine morality based on political opinion. The right wing have done it. The left wing have done it. The Republicans have done it. The Democrats have done it. But God doesn't do that. Sin is sin. Now, understand this. Abortion, non-therapeutic abortion, is murder. It'll bring the wrath of God. The same generation responsible for Roe versus Wade and killing these 47 million kids in this country, they themselves are going to be the victims of euthanasia. That's the next battle. Involuntary euthanasia is putting too much strain on the Social Security system, too much strain on Medicare. The same ones who killed these kids, their own lives, they're going to reap what they sowed. Of course it's murder. But what happens when you say, well, Catholics are against abortion, therefore they're our brothers. You're our brother if you're born again. Amen. If you're born again in Jesus, you're going to be against abortion automatically. Right. It's being in Christ That's right. that makes you a brother, not being against abortion. Amen. But you get Coulson and these guys, it's, the gospel goes out the window as long as you're socially redeeming. As long as you're... So, this is what happens. Salt and light only comes from being in Jesus. They build on the wrong foundation. So a truth becomes a lie. Let's look at another truth. Prosperity is a truth. Third John, beloved. I want in all things that you should prosper. There's a biblical gift of philanthropy in the book of Romans, chapter 14. God can and does show people how to make money in order to finance missions, evangelism, etc. It shows, says in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will show you how to make wealth in order to establish the covenant. If you live by biblical principles, if you run your business, practice your profession or trade by biblical principles, it will tend to bring prosperity simply because you are abiding by God's principles. You're doing your work as unto the Lord. You're being honest and you're doing this as unto the Lord that will tend to bring prosperity. The Protestant work ethic has a, an element of truth in it. That is why you see countries that do not have a biblical foundation as a society and economy are the poor ones. Hinduism, that's India's problem. Voodoo, that's Haiti's problem. Catholicism, that's the Philippines' problem. Islam, that's Sudan's problem. False religions breed poverty. Now we have a tape explaining this. Prosperity is a truth. But our prosperity is in Christ. What happens... When instead of Christ being the foundation upon which you build a church or a ministry, prosperity becomes the foundation. The truth becomes a lie. You wind up with covetousness. No longer faith in Jesus, but faith in faith. Blab it and grab it. The whole Joyce Meyer thing. In other words, you don't have prosperity. You have the sin of covetousness. You have a counterfeit. You have Kenny and Benny. A truth becomes a lie. Tragedy. Let's go further. Let me hit a bit close to home. It's easy to throw rocks at Kenny and Benny, but let's get a target closer to home. Charity. Our ministry, Moriel, we run orphanages for AIDS children in Africa. That's a cornerstone of our ministry. It's one of the things we do. One of the most important aspects of our ministry that the Lord has given us. Helping the needy. If we turn our backs on human suffering, we have no testimony to them. How can you turn your back on dying children, hungry children, and try to preach Christ when you're not giving them the love of Christ? Charity is a truth. Helping the needy is an absolute truth. If we turn our backs on them, we have no testimony. What, however, is the biggest need of a poor person? The biggest need of any poor person is not food, not shelter, not education, not clothing, not housing. The biggest need of a poor person is the same need as the biggest need of a wealthy person salvation, the gospel. What happens when you make charity the foundation instead of Christ? Most of the Salvation Army has lost its way. It no longer believes what William Booth and Catherine Marshall did. Some of them do. World vision has now become world hallucination. There's nothing Christian about Christian aid in any biblical sense. If a ministry stops being evangelistic, it'll stop being evangelical. If it stops preaching Christ, it'll stop believing in Christ. They will have a Christless gospel. They will have a social gospel. They'll have a Mother Teresa gospel pick up the Hindus and Muslims, clean them up and give them a clean place to die with dignity and send them off to hell in a laundry chute. Go to hell, go directly to hell, do not pass go. do not collect $200. That was her gospel. She said so. The truth becomes a lie. Now again, the biggest part of our budget is missions. We spend the most money on admissions and evangelism in Israel and charity in Africa. These AIDS children, HIV babies. Go on our website. Nobody is negating its importance. But you know, these kids are going to die. unless God intervenes. And we tell these little kids, you're going to go be with Jesus soon. You're going to go be with Jesus soon. You're going to go be with Jesus soon. Do we get them on retrovivals? Of course we do. And we find that by putting them in a family environment instead of in an institutional environment, they get less infections. We find that by emphasizing basic things like hygiene and education and just the love of the Lord and, and putting them in a family-type environment, they live longer. That's all important. But the fact is, even if they live to be 190, they're still going to die someday. And they need to know Jesus. Now, most of them will be dead by the time they're... T- I don't even want to talk about it. Go on a website and see for yourself. What a tragedy when a truth becomes a lie. Let's go further. Family and marriage... are a truth. Holy matrimony is the first kind of fellowship God ordained. As we pointed out this morning, go forth and multiply was the first commandment God ever made. Family and marriage is a truth. But family and marriage is not the truth. What happens when you make family and marriage the foundation upon which you attempt to build a church or a ministry. I see this. Springfield Avenue, family church. Maplewood, family worship center. Well, if you have the grace to be single, or if you've been widowed, what does that make you a freak? I don't think so. Jesus was single. Paul was single. Anna was married seven years and lived to the age of 84 as a widow serving God full time. Now, I accept the fact that marriage is the natural state for people, but because we live in a fallen world, being single is a higher calling if you have the grace to do it. This is in no way to demean marriage. But you get people who smuggle Bibles into Iran. They don't need a wife and kids waiting for them. Back in Illinois, they might not be coming home. There are some people who have the grace to be single. If you have that grace, it is a higher calling than being married. Which is, again, in no way to demean holy matrimony. However, if you have the grace, that is a higher calling. Family and marriage. They talk a lot about family and marriage, but all their talk about family and marriage has not prevented the divorce rate among saved Christians from being as high as the world. In 1968, only one out of 25 approximately evangelical marriages in America ended in divorce. Now it's one out of two as high as the world. They built on the wrong foundation. You cannot build a marriage on marriage. You cannot raise a family on family. You can only build a marriage and raise a family on Jesus. If the vertical relationship is there, the horizontal one will not fail. The only time a Christian marriage can fail is if one or both parties are not looking to Jesus anymore. And I see what this has done. It has led us down the ecumenical road big time. The Mormons are big on family, they tell you. In fact, the fundamentalist Mormons, who are the true Mormons, <laughs> they're bigamous and polygamous. Our ministry does an outreach to the Mormons every year at Manti-Utah, their Miracle of Mormonism pageant. And I've met fundamentalists there with eight wives. I figured out what kind of a woman would want to share her husband with eight or seven other women. Well, I figured out how they did it. Guess how old these girls were when they got married? <laughs> They're pedophiles. The Mormons always tell you about family when they knock on the door and how they have a family night and the family events down at their Latter day Saints church and family this and family that. Family, family. The Mormons are big on family. Now you've got evangelicals jumping in bed with the Mormons. Ravi Zacharias, Craig Hazen, Richard Moo, above all, from Fuller Cemetery, which he imagines to be a seminary. Somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of the people who live in Utah are Mormons. Somewhere 60-70% at least. At least nominally Mormon. Of the fifty states plus Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia, guess what state has the highest suicide rate among teenagers? Utah. Guess what state has the highest rate of clinical depression among housewives? Utah. Guess what state has the highest divorce rate? Utah. Family values. The Mormons are big into family. That's the problem. That's one reason why the divorce rate has become so high among Christians. They should be focused on Christ. Instead, they would rather focus on the family. Go down the ecumenical road with Jimmy Dobson. The religious phony. Tell him I said so. A truth becomes a lie. Let me hit close to home once again. The prophetic purposes of God for Israel. And the Jews are a truth. Replacement theology is unbiblical. It is a false doctrine. Contemporary events in the Middle East are very much of prophetic significance pointing to the return of Christ. Those who don't understand this will not understand what they need to understand to be prepared for the last days. This is one of the key issues. And Satan has raised up. People who are deceived to deceive others to teach against us. Again, Mr. Piper being one of them. Rick Godwin being another. It is a truth! Israel is indeed a truth. But Israel is not the truth. The truth is the God of Israel, the Messiah of Israel. There are organizations that will go with anything that has a Jewish emblem that comes in the name of Messianic, not realizing half the Messianic movement is as off the wall as anything else in the body of Christ today, some of it even heretical, some of it Ebionites, some of it denying the deity of Christ. Some of it so legalistic, it's rebuilding the wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles that Christ died to break down. Now, my own family are observant Jews, but not legalistic ones. and Not ones that glory in Jewishness, they glory in Jesusness. One organization is called Bridges for Peace. Don't witness to Jews, just build bridges for peace. The wall of partition between Jew and Gentile is only broken down in Christ. He is the bridge for peace between Jew and Gentile. Last month, their founding leader was found in homosexual pedophilia in Jerusalem. What a wonderful testimony to the Jewish community. Another is wings of eagles. Just bless Israel. Bring the Jews back to Israel. What for? The Great Tribulation? Well, I believe in the Jews coming back to Israel. But what good is it to come out of Eastern Europe and go to hell without the Messiah? My wife was a refusenik. She'll tell you that. Nazis murdered a family. She'll tell you it was a tragedy that the Nazis machine gunned her grandfather, but it was a bigger tragedy that he didn't know Jesus as his Messiah when they pulled the trigger. The International Christian Embassy. They're neither Christians nor an embassy. Their leader is such a heretic, he said, Jesus Christ never came to die. I have the tape in South Africa. They call themselves Christian Zionists. There's nothing Christian about it. They're just Zionists. A real Christian Zionist, as Jews for Jesus said, the leader of Jews for Jesus, David Brickner, a friend of mine, said, a real Christian Zionist is an unrepentant evangelist to the Jews. The others are fakes and phonies. That's what Jews for Jesus say, and they're right. A truth becomes a lie. Let me hit close to home once again. Discernment is a truth. Let your love abound more and more in all knowledge and real discernment. If there is no discernment, there can't be an abundance of love. Those who are undiscerning, will be deceived in the last days. Discernment is important. It's vital to spiritual survival, especially in the last days. What happens, however, when people attempt to build a church or a ministry on discernment instead of on Christ? If you go on the internet, you'll find out. These are not discernment ministries. The only way to know what such people are for is to first identify what they're against. <coughs> they are nuts. They are crooks. The most prominent group of them are the, luck of the night. better known to you as King James Version only. Not that I have any problem with the King James Bible, but they actually lift up a 17th century translation of a translation above the original Greek and Hebrew autographs. And your orthodoxy is not determined on the basis of your doctrine, but on the basis of what Bible you read. And if you don't read their Bible... That was authorized by a pedophile homosexual king who murdered born again Christians, James. You're part of the ecumenical conspiracy. These people are conspiracy theorists. It's almost mad. In fact, it is madness. Peter Ruckman is on his third marriage. Tex Mars appears to me to be some kind of a maniac. They even turn against other discernment ministries, including yours truly, but more so people like Dave Hunt. They're crazy. They're conspiracy theorists. The same as you have conspiracy theorists in the secular world, these are conspiracy theorists in the church who just use biblical prophecy... They package their, 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 their xenophobic paranoia in, in, in biblical prophecy, or at least their interpretation of biblical prophecy. They're not into discernment. It is nuts, you know. You know, like text Tex Mars and he's going to get nuts. They have the websites, seek God and watch them to prayer. They they, get, they try to look really Christian. But when you read what they're on about, it's not Christ for the most part. A truth becomes a lie. Church growth is a truth. Don't get me wrong, I think people should leave bad churches for good ones, and that is a source of growth. And I think it's nice to come to a church in the American Midwest where the mothers have babies every year. That's also a way to populate heaven and have church growth. I'm not against those forms of church growth. Raise a child up in the way he should go, he will not depart from it. Perfectly valid ways of having church growth. But the first and foremost way we see in the New Testament is evangelism and discipleship. What happens when you make church growth the foundation upon which you build? You don't have church growth. You get into programs like Alpha Courses and Purpose Driven that are based on marketing and psychology. And you don't have real church growth because you built on the wrong foundation. You have transfer growth. People leave one church for another to see the latest freak show in town. Then when that's over, they go to the next freak show. It's always the same people following these things. Kansas City, Prophets, Toronto, Pensacola, Purpose Driven, you know, Prayer of Jabez. You'll find it's always the same churches going from gimmick to gimmick, fat to fat. Always the same people, same churches. But it's people leaving one church for another. Jesus never said to make converts. He said make disciples. Evangelism minus discipleship equals zero. They've got the wrong foundation. Church growth comes by abiding in Jesus. By lifting him up, by preaching his gospel. It doesn't come from marketing. But that's what they're going with. And so instead of real growth, they have an artificial growth. They take money out of this pocket and put it into this pocket. Is the church any better off? (laughs) Are you any better off if you take money from one pocket and put it in the other? Of course you aren't. That's what they've got. People leave one church for another. And even if somebody does get saved, what do they get saved into? A zoo? A truth becomes a lie. There is no doubt that the Bible says study to show yourself approved. If somebody does not study the Word of God, they should not be in the ministry. God does not approve of them. Scholarship is the truth. Jesus said this. When a scribe, somebody theologically trained, Becomes a disciple. He brings out of the treasury things old and things new. There is a tremendous practical value in knowing Greek and Hebrew and church history, literary criticism. God can use these things. But what happens when scholarship becomes the foundation upon which you build instead of Christ? The servant becomes a master. You wind up with an intellectual faith that is no faith at all. The result of this has been higher criticism. Like John Shelby Spong, who I talked about this morning and saw on TV yesterday. These are tribal gods. These are ancient myths in the Bible. Source criticism and all this stuff. Wellhausen's theory of Pentateuchal sources. (laughs) The truth becomes a lie. And it goes on like this. Let's look at just one more. The Bible speaks about the renewal of the mind. Renewing the mind is a truth. But renewing the mind is not the truth. Jesus is the truth. We're a box in a box in a box like the temple. The innermost man or woman is the spirit. The holy place is our mind, our emotions, our intellect, the soul, then the body. The way God renews the mind is he renews the spirit. He puts a new creation in people, spiritually, when they're born again. As the new creation grows, as the new spirit grows, and is conformed to the person of Christ, the mind follows suit. When they grow spiritually, they become conformed progressively to be more and more like Jesus. That is the renewal of the mind. It comes from Jesus. It comes from the new spirit. What happens when you make renewal of the mind the foundation upon which you build a ministry? another oxymoron emphasize the moron they call it christian psychology it's not christian psychology it's just Psychology, using Christian jargon, it's no different than Freud or Jung in biblical masquerade. It's just psychology. Now, there is, in fact, a biblical psychology. That is the book of Proverbs. That's biblical psychology. But that's not what they mean by Christian psychology. It began with the psychologization of the youth of Christian America by a man who was sexually immoral and ethically dishonorable in the area of finance. Bill Gothard psychologized the youth of Christian America. James Dobson psychologized the women of Christian America. Promise keepers psychologized the men of Christian America. And Robert Schumer, under the influence of his mentor, Norman Vincent Peale, the 33rd degree Freemason, psychologized the pastors of Christian America. The truth becomes a lie. What a tragedy Again, I emphasize that every one of these things in blue is a truth. They are all true. Every one of those things is a truth. But when you attempt to treat a truth as if it were the truth, the truth is Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ coming again. All other truth must be defined in relation to him. Otherwise, you won't have a truth. You will have a lie. You will have a counterfeit. They don't have holiness. They have legalism. They don't have charismata. They have charismania. They're not salt and light. They're politicians standing in pulpits. They don't have prosperity, they have greed, covetousness, they don't have charity, they have a social gospel, etc, etc, etc. A truth becomes a lie. What? a disgraceful tragedy this has been a historical problem in the church for generations. But now it's reaching some kind of a climax that seems explosive. And people don't seem to realize it. You don't have to be a genius to figure it out. The only thing you have to do is realize... That all of these things are truths, but Christ alone is the truth.